everybody. Welcome to the Stress-Free Zone. As you know, I am your host, and I know you see the different background, I'm trying something different today. We are here today to let you guys meet some amazing people, athletes, some people are actors. Today, we have someone, and I am really proud to have her. We have uh, Shayna Garaya. I hope I said that right. Yeah, I said it right. Okay, I said it right. All right, cool. She is amazing because not only does she have a master's in fine arts in film and television, focusing on directing, writing, and editing. Editing is very tedious. But she is just an average girl <laughs> and Punjabi filmmaker. I'd like to welcome you to the show. How are you today? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. I'm glad to hear that. I uh, I was checking out your page, and uh, what, I, before I jump into my normal questions, I love the fact that it said unapologetic, quirky, and bold. How did you become these things? I think, you know, a part of me, I had always been like that growing up. I was a bit of a firecracker. I have an older brother, and he's very much the opposite of me, right? He's like the good child, my parents joke. And I was very much the rebellious one, you know? like. And a big part of that stems from my disability, right? I wanted to be seen as normal. I grew up and I came into my own identity. I realized that, you know, this is my strength. Um, and I shouldn't apologize for having the experiences that I have and having the feelings that I feel. Okay, okay. That's a good start right there. I like that. Um, I, I know I was reading one of the things and you said you understand the importance of media perception. So many people don't understand the importance. What brought that to the forefront for you? Yeah, so um, it's actually a unique story. I was in my undergrad of college and that's around the time where I started working for this um, tutoring center on campus that really instilled in me a sense of culture and identity. Um, and so I started coming into my own then and really accepting my Indian identity as well as my disability um, and being a woman, right? It's like a whole <laughs> trifecta. Um, and at that time, I realized that I wasn't receiving adequate services from the college in order to succeed. Um, I, all I needed was a desk, a wheelchair accessible desk, and I was being denied that. And then I realized if that's the only thing I need, what about other students with disabilities? Like then they're not receiving the services they need to succeed and they might have more needs. Um, so I basically tracked down other students with disabilities on campus um, and created my first documentary it's by no means great, right? It has like an unintentional Blair Witch type effect because it's so shaky cam. Yeah. Um, but that really, you know, we released it online and overnight it got like over a thousand views. It spread like wildfire across campus. We got a meeting with um, the campus president and changes were made. And because of that, like I can go back to that campus and I sometimes take, there's an elevator there that because of that documentary we got built. And it's, that is, it's so rewarding. That is so awesome. So your boldness actually helped other people who didn't have the same spunk to speak up. And, and that is beyond commendable because so many times people, we all feel the same pain about something and we're just, I'm not, I say what <laughs> I need to say, but a lot of people just don't have that mm, to say something. They're always afraid, well, what if they get mad and what if this and what is that? Mm -hmm. So. <laughs> I know they really appreciate the fact that you stood up. I, I, uh, I'm still not going to my regular questions yet because there's so much about you that's incredible. You are gold for life. The valedictorian for the 
uh, Academy Goals Class of 2020. And um, one of the things that I saw that you said is, I love, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm just saying this for me. I love when you said this. I didn't need to find my place. I needed to take it. Bring us into that. Yeah, so I think for most of my life, I had been trying to fit into a world that wasn't built for me, right? And Elaine Welteroth has a great quote about that, right? And I needed to realize that all three of these identities were a part of me. And even though there's no like, there's no Punjabi wheelchair user female club I can go to, right? There's no guidebook as to like what people like me do, what path our life should take. So I just needed to make my own path and figure out what spaces I wanted to be in, right? And then just make my own way in life and not listen to what anybody else was expecting of me. Okay, see, I love that because I, from experience, know that the most fun path is the one that you make yourself. Yep. Following everyone else does nothing for you. Kicking down doors, making them uncomfortable. Making them uncomfortable is probably the most important thing because when you make them uncomfortable, then they somehow start feeling your uh, discomfort and they go, okay, what can I do? And they're not doing it for you. They're doing it to stop their discomfort. That's the funniest part about that. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so I'm going to jump into my thing before we jump back into you a little bit. And what is it that you want people to know about you? Yeah, so I already touched on it a little bit, but I like to joke that I'm a triple threat, right? Um, Punjabi, a woman, and a wheelchair user. But I want people to know that the reason I frame it that way is because even though society can like view these three things together as like less than, they really are my greatest strengths. My identity provides me with unique experiences that in my career as a writer director, I translate to unique stories that embrace diversity and explore intersectionality. Okay. Um, I have to go to a, a, a sad note because from I Wish I Never, I learned about 40% of women with disabilities experience sexual assault or physical violence in their lifetime. That was a really sad statistic for me. I mean, that that's a high number. Uh, how, how do these things make you feel? Is that what drives you when it comes to the films that you make and, and, and you know, being the voice, so to speak, for people? Yeah, so, I mean, we talked about a little bit about how media can shift public perception. And a big reason why, you know, women with disabilities, these statistics are not talked about is because women with disabilities are not seen as sexual, right? People with disabilities in general are given this identity of being asexual without even given a choice. We don't see ourselves in media as being in relationships, right? Um, and so that's kind of why we fly under the radar with these statistics, because people don't even know or realize how many of us are in relationships. And so because of that, it makes us highly more vulnerable to this stuff, um, to abuse. Um, and so it's a very serious issue. I'm not an expert in it, but you know, I have plenty of resources where people can learn more about and get help if they are in these situations themselves. Um, but to answer your question, yeah, I I am fueled by rage. That's kind of what I what I joke about, right? Like, if you know me, you know that I'm a very calm, kind of relaxed person most of the time. But a lot of my emotions come out through what I write, um, what I create, the documentaries I make, um, and they, in a sense, help me 
One, push for better change, and two, help understand issues more. I'm hoping that uh, the information that you had for, for people, I'm hoping that we get a chance to put that up on our show so that people can find the help that they need. I'm all about helping people and it's, it's, uh, it, it's a sad statistic and I'm hoping that we can do things to change that. Definitely. And um, so as if grad school wasn't hard enough, <laughs> you decided to start a production company with, which, with your, one of your friends. Who was your friend? Uh, my friend is Anthony Golden Jr. He is a great person. It's actually really funny because um, I went to the first day of USC, right, um, where they were giving us a little tour. Um, I saw Anthony and I didn't know him. And he was walking around looking like a superstar, right? Sunglasses and a suit. And I was like, oh my gosh, people talk about famous people being at USC all the time. Maybe he is one. And then we ended up getting, um, like sitting together at a table and then after that, he ended up getting placed in all my classes. So we had all of our first semester classes together. Um, and from there, like, you know, three years later, we have a production company together. Um, so I got really lucky with him. And I remember we were sitting in my dorm and he was just like, we should start our own production company. And That's I had a huge headache. I was like, you know, we have so much work to do, no way. And he was like, let's do it. And I was, you know, I'll jump into any fire with Anthony Golden Jr. That's a very good thing to hear. And I wish you guys the very best with this. I hope this blows up into something huge. Uh, again, I have to, I just have to say again, because I remember my college days and oh my God, I didn't even do grad school and I knew how hard grad school was. So I couldn't imagine doing both of those at the same time. So hats off to both of you for having the, the uh, will, because I'm pretty sure that's what it took to get it going. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was a team uh, effort. Um, thankfully, our production company is doing well, even in COVID. Um, we're really grateful, and um, we're going to be making our first feature film in 2022. Nice. That is great to hear. So I want to ask, how did Black Magic Designs help you bring viewers uh, behind the lens of disability? Yeah, so um, Black Magic Design, I mean, one, they're just a great camera. Um, they have this like grip feature that's easier for me to use as a woman with a disability. Um, so what happened was we entered in the Easter Seals Disability Film Challenge, which is a great organization for um, filmmakers with disabilities. And it's a three-day thing. So you have to write, direct, um, and edit a film all in three days. And we were only able to accomplish that with a black magic because um, it was able to move us from like different lighting situations very quickly. Um, and also just like it was easier, you know, if the DP handed it to me since a lot of us were wearing multiple hats that day um, because we were all just, it was only like six of us from USC that made it. Um, and so Black Magic has at every step of the way after that we made that film helped us out in that sense in terms of like providing us with resources or letting us know about accessible equipment because that's one of their big missions right now is access for all. Nice, that is that is wonderful. I, When I was in school, I didn't go to film school, but the one film class I took, we used a Bolex camera. And it, I don't know if you know what a Bolex camera is, but that's, you crank it up and you get yep. 20 seconds of film. And I, I remember I did my first, uh, it's called it a human cartoon film with some of my buddies and there was a mm -hmm. lot of that crisscrossing. It took me forever, crank, crank, crank. 
crank, crank, crank. So uh, <laughs> I, I love the fact that they gave you something that was so much easier because Bolex was a, ugh. so I'm, I'm so happy that uh, Black Magic did their thing. And I'm going to go to this. If you could have a conversation with anyone, famous or not, alive or not, who would it be? This is such a hard question. <laughs> this is so difficult. You know what? It would have to go to, I wanna say George Orwell. And it's such a bizarre answer, but my best friends will know why. Um, I, 1984 was, it made a huge impact on me. Mm -hmm. um, growing up, I've read that book the most. I even have like three copies of it in my bookshelf. Um, and I think because he saw the world in a very unique way, um, but he also in a lot of ways could predict what we're living through right now. Um, and I think his words hit home a lot harder. Um, yeah, that was a tough one. That was a tough question. But it would be him. He has a way of having a deeper understanding about situations and about people. Okay. Okay. I like that. So I'm going to go to some fun questions for a second. Okay. I want people to get to know your fun side because I love the quirky thing. So we're going to ask, if you could have a superpower, <laughs> what would it be? Ooh, honestly, it would be... Okay, that... I don't know if cloning myself is a superpower, but it would be that because then I would be able to do so many more things. You know what I mean? Like if I could have multiple yeah. me's, I could be able to like volunteer at the same time that I'm like doing this work at the same time that I'm making a movie. So yeah, it would definitely there, be that. That would be a superpower because I don't, I don't know the superheroes thing a lot, but I do remember one that could multiply himself. So I'm going to say that's a good one right there. I, I like Amazing. that. I love asking that question because I never know what people are going to say. And I've gotten some of the crazy, I like one guy was shy, but his, uh, you would think invisibility would be his choice, but he didn't pick invisibility. And I was like, huh, okay. So I love how people kind of go against that. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to go into another crazy question. I'm, you know what? I don't ask this one very much. So let me ask you, do you have a celebrity crush? Yeah, Harry Styles. Like without question. Okay, he okay. Defies Look, you... norms. He just is unapologetically himself. He is bold and he is quirky. Harry Styles, one hundred percent. Okay, I like that. And you're a busy person. You're always doing something. But I know you have to have some downtime. What do you do for fun in your spare time? Yes. So in my spare time, um, I love gaming. Actually, I wouldn't call myself like a gamer. Oh because it's not that intense. It probably would be if I wasn't so busy, if I'm being honest. Um, but yeah, I I love it. I play online with my friends. Anthony Golden Jr. is one of them. Um, we joke that it's like team building activities for our production company, right? But <laughs> it's just us messing around. Um, Red Dead Redemption 2 is my favorite video game and I love the Zelda series. Okay. I myself am not a gamer, unfortunately. I. I'm now Dave and Busters, I'm all day. I'll go there any yes, day of the week I love to Dave and Busters. That is, that is my friends who drink learn because I don't drink and they need a designated driver. So they, once they learn that, yeah. they don't say, Randy, you want to go to the bar? They go, hey, you want to go to Dave and Busters? And I'm like, 
Yes. <laughs> so, yeah. So that's their getaway. <laughs> yeah. So uh, you like Dave and Buster's? I do like Dave and Buster's. I like any like going to any kind of arcade game place. It's fun. Like for us creatives, it's so fun to let your inner child just run. Just let that exactly. inner child have all the fun they can have because when you get back to the work, the stress level shoots back up. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So um, let's talk about music. When you're when you're trying to get into your zone, uh, you know, to kind of clear your head, is there a song in particular that you like to play that kind of gets you gets you juiced up? It's funny because like my music tastes are so eclectic. So I switch between Bollywood songs and um, English songs, but it really depends on what I'm writing at the moment. Like, you know, last week I was writing something with a more Western tone. So I was listening to a lot of Western songs and also Taylor Swift because I do love her new albums. Um, but, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I was writing something um, that was set in India. So I was listening to really sad Bollywood songs to get me in the mood for that, right? Um, and so that's really what I do. Or like to gear up for this interview, I listen to Ali and AJ's potential breakup song, right? <laughs> okay, nothing wrong with that. I listen to some weird songs to get juiced up. I I won't even go into my songs because my friends all give me this look like, really, you're listening to that? Hey, this song gets me going, shut up, mind your business. So I get that. You listen to what you need at that time. Um, I'm going to go back to the dating thing because I remember we talked, you, you said people don't understand that um, everyone dates and I don't know how people can't see that, but we all do. Are you single? Currently, yes. Okay, good. So I can ask you these questions. I don't like asking people who are in relationships because I'm, I'm scared a spouse is going to come and get me one day. <laughs> so what was the most fun date that you've been on? Oh my gosh, That's honestly, tough. it was going to an arcade. I feel you on that. I'm I'm a firm believer that first dates should be either a bowling alley or an arcade so that you can gauge whether or not you can have fun with this person. People always, yep. oh no, you need to go to dinner. Everyone's on their best behavior at a restaurant eating dinner. I need exactly. to see you. I need to see you in the trenches. <laughs> yeah, like I need to know if you're gonna be my partner in crime. Like when we play that, you know, duck hunting game right do you get mad and throw the uh, the controller because you lost you know those things are important to me i don't because i i'm really scared about damaging any of my controllers see but that's those are the things that you like because you're like okay at least when they when they lose they don't get mad for me i know some women feel like guys don't like a woman who can beat them in games and that pisses me off <laughs> If you're playing me in, in air hockey or whatever, play to win. I mean, because exactly. if I start realizing like you're throwing a game, I'm like, okay, so you're not the one for me because you you already believe that my ego is so fragile that I can't take a one. I have a female friend right now who has, I've beat her in one basketball game in 22 games. 22 games. Not That's not an exaggeration at all. I won wow. one out of 22. Not even ashamed to say it. My ego is strong. <laughs> That's impressive. No, I grew up with an older brother who like took no mercy on me, right? Um, when I was playing video games with him. And so I quickly had to learn, you know, you got to fight back. So now I am better than him and I never lose on purpose, that right? Is, never. That, that is hilarious because I'm the oldest brother. <laughs> <laughs> My sister's a good fighter now. 
because of me. My friend's like, how'd your sister learn to fight so well? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> it's true. So, yeah. I mean, the older brothers do kind of shape you. Older sisters too. Older sisters, because some of my friends have older sisters and they learn a lot from older sisters. Uh, Sometimes I kind of wish I was not the oldest so that I can kind of get some of the stuff that they got, you know, instead yeah. of, you know, when you're the oldest, you learn on your own and then you make mistakes and then they learn from the good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so um, I'm going to ask you, because I forgot to ask you this, who inspired you to do the things that you do? And if it's, it's yourself, you could say yourself. Yeah, it. It was a multitude of people, I would say. I mean, it was really family members along the way supporting me, right? Family members and teachers who at every point would say like, Shana, you have so much potential, you can do it, right? And right now, a huge inspiration in my life is um, my lovely Anthe, that's what I call her. Her name is Lovely. Um, and then Anthe is like an Indian um, name that I stick at the end. And she had a huge career in law, but her whole life has been dedicated to making the world a better place, right? And that's what I wanna do with my work, right? I know I'm in filmmaking and I know it seems glamorous and it's about entertainment, but my whole goal first is to make sure that I am making the world a better place with my work. If I'm not doing that, then like, what's the point? That, that is beautiful right there because so many people don't realize that uh art can shape the world. And if you're doing nothing but stereotypes or uh, violent things, if that's all you're doing and violent just for the sake of violent, you're not, you're not helping society at all. And there's nothing wrong with those in their place. But if that's all you do, then what are you giving back to society? I, I, I feel that 100%. I, uh, um, I, man, I, man you, you have a lot, so this, this is great. So since you're a Punjabi girl, I'm going to ask you, uh, what? how many different languages do you speak? So I speak English and then very minimal Punjabi. I'm not great at it, but I understand it really well because my parents speak it in the house like a lot. Um, my grandparents both speak it. Um, and so it's one of those things where it's like I can translate really well. Uh, I get that. I get that. Maya, French, she speaks six different dialects. She was trying to teach me a word and and then made the mistake of telling me that there's like seven ways to say it. And I'm like, I'm not going to know the right time to say those words. So I'm just yeah. going to, I'm going to stop. I'm going to, I'm just going to go somewhere else. So now that I know that, um, that, that's, that's cool right there. So if you weren't doing filmmaking, what else would you do? I would be in politics. <laughs> I was actually, so it's funny because my professor, my old professor loves to give me grief about it. But um, in my undergrad, I switched majors four times um, because I just couldn't find my place, right? I was trying to find it and not take it. And because of that, like I went the whole route of not knowing what I was doing. Um, so I started off in politics and then I realized that I had very little patience. Um, and not that that's wrong, right? Like some people have patience to go through the system and I just didn't. And I found myself writing political satires on the side um, during class. And so then I switched to English and then I switched to social work. And then I finally took my place in film. Um, okay. But yeah, I would definitely be in politics as a progressive 
more AOC style. AOC and Bernie. It's kind of funny because when you said that, it was immediate. It was like, I can see that because you're really calm. But for some reason, the everything I've seen and heard about you, you seem like you would be the most dangerous person to debate because no matter how mad they got, you would just calmly hit them with the facts like, oh, you're mad? Fact. Fact. And just sit there and leave them frustrated. <laughs> how true is that? <laughs> it's true. No, but like. <laughs> I mean, my parents would say it's not true because sometimes I, I get a little firecrackery, but only with them, right? Right, um, right. Yeah, no, but facts are so important. And honestly, like, why waste energy getting upset and yelling when you can just say the truth? I learned that from my dad. He's he's the first one to, to say things that people get mad. And he's like, his favorite phrase, call me a lie. <laughs> and every time he says that, they shut up. And I'm just like, oh, wow. So as oh long as you hit them with the truth, they can't argue with you. I mean, every time they get mad, he's like, call me a lie. And then they just, and the conversation's over. And I'm like, I'm going to use that like forever. So now my whole thing is my friends laugh at me because I'd rather tell the truth than, than lie because I've been yelled at more for telling the truth than people have been yelled at for lying. But I feel like at the end of the day, call me a lie. Like, exactly. <laughs> I'm going to take that from your dad. Like that's, yeah. I'm going to start using that. <laughs> I think it's probably one of the one of the best things ever. Um, so I want to know what career advice would you give to someone who's trying to come into film? Yeah, so I'm actually mentoring someone right now. And that's really what I hope to do. Um, me and Anthony Golden Jr. especially like once this company um, becomes bigger, because it's so important to us that we support people like people have supported us. Um, and so for anybody who thinks they want to go into film, like one, definitely explore it because it's not for everybody. It does kind of take over your whole life. Um, I had many friends who went through the film program with me who, you know, at the end decided to change their minds because again, it's, it's kind, you kind of have to be a workaholic, honestly. Um, and so my thing is try it out, but two, don't get scared about logistical things, right? Don't think, oh my gosh, I don't live in LA, so I can't be a filmmaker. Don't think camera equipment is so expensive, so I can't be a filmmaker. Don't let any of those things stop you because we literally all have access to phones right now, right? And you can make a film that can launch your career. So focus on storytelling, focus on making home videos, right? Because it'll make you so much better. Um, and yeah, just follow what you like to do. That's a uh, really good advice because I'm a really good storyteller. I kind of, I make mistakes, but my mistakes are things like I didn't put the transition in the right spot, things like that. But the one thing people always say is, man, your stories are good. All right, cool. So these are fixable mistakes. Let's go ahead and worry about, you know, exactly. those things. And it's, so that, that's really good advice because so, so many times now the way the film industry is, we get, we kind of get beat down when you're trying to get in the industry and because you feel like you have to be perfect because some people, I won't read your script if there's a single mistake. If your period isn't there, you know, you get these kind of people and it's it's really destroying people who are really talented. It's, it's stopping them from coming in and they end up going, I'll do something else. You know, you may have lost a, a phenomenal storyteller. The, it's, it's sad sometimes. So I'm, I'm glad to hear the advice you're doing and I'm glad to see that you're mentoring. And uh, I was gonna ask, where do you see yourself and your company in the coming years? Yeah, so um, early 2022, we are making my feature film. Um, I have two amazing producers on board, Giselle Johnson and Jack Walterman. 
um, both of whom I met through like my USC connections. Um, and we're gearing up for that. So excited about that. It's literally taking over my life. Um, and so 2023, we're hoping for a major festival, right, to show there. And then after that, I'm hoping to go into development on a second feature film. I just want to keep at it, right? Want to keep going. And I have I some shows that are being shopped around right now at studios. So multiple fires going on. I'm loving that. I wish you the best with everything that you uh, just said. And is there a dream project or group that you would love to work with? And it doesn't have to be a group. It could be a particular star or director or writer that you uh, would love to work with. I love this Bollywood director, Vishal Bardwaj. And right now I'm making a film about this. I know this, who that like, is too. Huh? I actually know who that is. <laughs> oh, amazing. Yeah, he does like Shakespearean adaptations. Um, and he, he makes them in India and it's amazing. And um, yeah, the film that I'm making, my feature is actually about, you know, a conservative Indian family and it's a very dark comedy. Um, and he does that so well. So I would love to work from him and learn from him. Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna keep up with you and everything you're doing because I love dark comedies. I'm, I do. I I love it. Anything dark is my thing. And and if you knew me, you'd understand. Uh, it's the funniest thing. I'm bubbly, but at the same time, that kind of stuff is just like that's my thing. I I, I can't see, get enough. The of more it. bubbly people usually are into dark comedy, right? <laughs> that's how we offset everything. Exactly. Because the person we're like, hey, and then afterwards we're like. Okay, let me get to something good. <laughs> yeah, and then your friends look at you weird. Like, you're, what? You're that twisted? Yes. Oh, man. My friends look at me, they look at me probably three or four times a week trying to figure out, like, uh, what in God's name made you do the things that you do? And I'm like, I don't know. Like, like for example, the song I was talking about. It's The song is called How Soon Is Now, and it's by the Smiths. And they're like, how could that be a song that inspires you to dance because the song is actually talking about uh, a guy who is so shy he he becomes just basically frozen with fear when it comes to trying to talk to anyone uh, a woman or anything like that oh my, my producer just gave me the minute sign uh, so that's my song that kind of gets me juiced up uh, Shana I want to thank you so much for coming in here you gave me so much we're going to make sure we put your stuff up so that people can see it. I'm wishing you the best with everything you're doing. I, I can't wait to see your film. It was absolute pleasure. And everyone, as I always say at the end of my show, live, love, laugh. Live for the moment. Love those that are there for you. Laugh and have fun. Life is too short. This is Randy Stress, and you guys have a blessed day. Thank you, Shana. Thank you for having me.